Welcome to the Mark Cameron Show. We have conversations with people making the mark, discover how they do it and what the future of their work is. This week, I'm joined by Kitty Gordon. Kitty Gordon works in leadership development with a global organization. She really cares about grace, humor, creativity, in relationships and in life at work. You were just um, admiring the sheepskin rug. I was, yeah, uh uh-huh, yeah. Um, Pepe was the black North Ronsey sheep that we had in the garden. We had them as lambs, Pepe and Don Camilo, after something, oh, there's some book, um, and we had them as lambs and we used to, you know, feed them milk in a bottle and stuff. And the North Ronsey sheep uh, live on the beach in North Ronsey and they eat the kelp. Wow. So they, they, they're quite rogue, menacing looking sheep. Right. They're great, full of character. So this is the island of... Orkney. This is Orkney. Where you grew up? Where I grew up, yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So uh, what was it like growing up in Orkney? What was it like growing up in Orkney? Well, I, um, I was the minister's daughter in Orkney. So that's that's interesting. We we moved up there when um, Mary and I were early in primary school. The rest of the rest of the family were a little bit older. And Dad moved up as the new minister. So this was back in the 70s. Wow. Which is how old I am. <laughs> um, and... Uh, it was, yeah, it was one of those things where everyone, oh, the new, the new girls at school. Sort yeah, of thing. it was yeah. very you know very island like that. But it was I loved it. I love I love Orkney. Yeah, um, incredible freedom. We I used to spend a lot of my time on farms, building dens. Wow. Stealing kittens. <laughs> Why did you steal kittens? Just <laughs> be feral cats all over the place, and we we had this thing about it. Obviously, we wouldn't do that now, but you know. Uh, uh, yeah, we used to try and try, try and steal wild kittens off their parents. It's a ter- <laughs> terrible thing. Um, and uh, yeah, most of most of my friends at school, I guess there was quite a few of them were farmers, farmers kids, and same in the church. The church yeah. was um, there's a few farmers in that. So my uh, best friend at church at the time was Marion. She was a farmer's daughter, and we used to spend all our time up there. We, yeah. we had a beach on the farm. We used to play cricket on the beach and stuff. And oh, nice. Wow. Go up there on Sunday nights. and Yeah. Um, yeah. I, um, cycle. I used to cycle a lot over the island. Uh, I had another friend who had a farm in Harry, which is one of the parishes in the middle of the island, the middle of the mainland. And we, I used to spend all my summers out there. Yeah. It was just hilarious. Oh. Hide and seek on a farm is hilarious. <laughs> you just hide behind the sheep. <laughs> Just so many barns and yeah, you know, amazing. How um, how did your experience like growing up in Orkney get you into what you're what you're doing now? Ooh. I wonder what the connection is. Actually, it's um, I, when I've thought back on it, I mean, I I've done sort of NLP coaching, leadership mm-hmm. development. That's been that's been kind of my bag for the last sort of fifteen years or so. And uh, one of the things that I did in NLP was provocative coaching, which right. is quite funny. Tell us about that. It's about using humour to okay. shift someone um, in their thinking. Um, and uh, almost having a, what I would call as a gracious prod at them. So having fun with them yeah. to help them see things differently. And it is, it is very like what I would have seen the Orcadians' way of giving feedback. <laughs> 
Okay, okay, let's uh, let's do some of that just now. You might gracious fraud. Um, where you might not know until you leave the room and you let go, oh <laughs> that was for me. <laughs> but uh, I guess I guess the thing and the, the grace is quite important because I think there was there's a lot of love, there's an intention hmm. behind my intention is to help you not to poke fun at you. Yeah. 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 Which which is a different attitude right. to uh, working with people, and right. I think humour is phenomenally important yeah. with uh, working with people. How would it? Okay, so say, uh, look, can you do a bit of that with me? So, uh, well, I don't know if I can do it ad hoc. I mean, we don't. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with you just now, Mark. Mm, okay, so uh, what would one thing be? Uh, we're starting a podcast, and uh, never really done this before. Having some fun with it. Uh-huh. This is the fourth recording. Uh-huh. And then we're gonna I'm gonna put it out, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing what it does. But I am curious how to keep it going after doing a run of four, and what I should do with it. So um, yeah, yeah, no, it's good. I, I don't have anything for you there. <laughs> Great. It sounds good. <laughs> I'll be interested to see how it unfolds. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, it's Because uh, uh, you said to me something that's quite funny about, well, uh, the audience, the target audience, well, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I realised that last week. <laughs> so I might be the only person that listens to it. Only, do you think you will be the, you'll be the only person that listens to it? I don't think so. Yeah. No, you don't. You will. Okay. I will. I'm going to listen to this Good. one. <laughs> And then I'm going to cringe. cringe. Oh my goodness, Katie. Who are you? So Right. So there's something amazing about the, like, Scottish humour and even the island lifestyle that actually lends itself really well to Mm -hmm. um, business coaching or leadership development. Mm -hmm. Um, How did you get into that whole field of leadership development? Because you've had a bit of a... A journey. I believe you were a, a rock star <laughs> as well, <laughs> and an artist. A rock star. <laughs> um, so I did. I was brought up in an artistic, quite an artistic family. Mum was a calligrapher. Um, mm. uh, my auntie paints. Uh, my grandmother painted. Her father painted. Um, Dad's even been known to wield a brush. <laughs> Um, not at a wall, but on a piece of paper. Um, and um, my sister went to art school, and then uh, it got to it got to that point um, where sixth year came round at school, and the careers advisor was telling me all sorts of things I could do, and none of it. I was like, well, well none of this means anything to me. Yeah. I really don't know who I am or what I want to do. Um, and mum used to be a nurse, um, so I actually went away and did nursing. Hmm. Um, because I had to do something because everyone else was doing something when they left school so I had to do something and I thought well I'll do nursing so I, I wouldn't say there was a lot of thought behind it but um, definitely I guess I guess a people focus mm-hmm. um, I did drop out after a year but one of the pieces that I really enjoyed about nursing was when I was working in the mental uh, mental health area mm. so when I did psychiatric nursing um, and I really enjoyed it because it was a uh, People's these were people who were just people, but things were going wrong for them mm-hmm. in their heads, and you know that's that's that could be crushing for them. Do you know, mm. really difficult to sort of lose something that you take for granted, or or struggle with something that is so invisible mm-hmm. for some people. 
Um, and it was a real eye-opener. Um, and it was a, a male acute ward, so it was locked most of the time, and just such a variety of vulnerable people, you know, that that had these these mental health issues mm. that had meant that they had to come in and be looked after. Yeah. Um, in this way, and it was really quite it's quite striking for me. Anyway, I, I dropped out of nursing. It was um, uh, I was really too young, I think, and. I guess when I say young, I mean naive, because I, I was 18 when I went into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I was very naive, and I'm quite a late, I was a late developer, but I wouldn't have known that at the time. Right. You know? So um, I went into it very immature, not really understanding the bigger picture of what I was doing or anything. Um, so I dropped out of nursing um, and <laughs> ended up doing dental nursing. All right. <laughs> Which, interestingly, was another thing that my mother had thought, oh, you'd be quite a good dental nurse. Okay. <laughs> Out of the blue, sometime when I was a teenager, she said that. <laughs> She'll deny this vehemently if she ever hears this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I ended up doing dental nursing for a couple of years. So I'll always work with people uh, in that respect. Right. And then I guess the, um, the art gene kicked in and I decided that maybe I wanted to go to art school. Mm-hmm. So I put a portfolio and did five years um, in Aberdeen. I did a pre-year before going to art school, and then I did four years doing a BA honours, and I kind of majored, I suppose, in, in sculpture, mm. was the one that I did. And I really enjoyed that. Um, and I guess creativity has always been a part of, it's always been a part of us. Yeah. Do you know? So it, I take it very much for granted. And if you live in a family of very creative people, I don't know if this is the same for every creative family, but we're very judgy. Like, well, I, could oh, do, wow. I could do that. <laughs> Better <laughs> well, than you. That. So you, you don't share what you do. We just kind of like, and it keeps you very, very humble. So I wouldn't say that I'm a fabulous artist or uh-huh. anything like that. Okay. But other people might go, oh my goodness, you know, your work's amazing. And I'm like, oh, really? Don't think my mum would say that. Right. Do you know? Right. <laughs> sort of so, um, Kind of interesting. Anyway, I got to the end of art school and then, again, still not really knowing who I was or what I wanted to do, I went off to Switzerland Hmm. and I suppose mostly got drunk for two years. (laughs) What else did you do in Switzerland? I was working. I was looking after children. Okay, drunk. (laughs) Drunk drunk nanny. Um, I wasn't drinking while I was looking after the children, obviously. Uh, (laughs) That would be shocking. But yeah, I I went over and I worked for... An Australian woman and her Scottish husband had looked after their two girls. So uh, I lived there for a couple of years. I learned to snowboard. Mm. Um, got into snowboarding there. Um, it was, uh, I, I, I guess, quite an escape in some ways. It was an ama- amazing, amazing, beautiful place. Mm-hmm. It was quite stunning. Um, summers were actually more wonderful than the winters. Right. Because it's just a completely different vibe. Yeah in the summer to a sort of ski resort winter and I think I fell in love with it in the summer anyway the time came time came to come home mm-hmm. and grow up a bit so I came back and moved to Edinburgh I basically had a choice I didn't want to move back to Orkney particularly um, I think I, I was sort of in a in a different place in my head mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of how life was unfolding for me I was like oh, Orkney's not the right place for me um, I'll move to either Edinburgh or Dundee right uh, Edinburgh or Glasgow sorry yeah um, I knew one more person in Edinburgh than I did in Glasgow, so I'll, I'll just go to Edinburgh. Right. Wow. So, yeah, that's my checkered. Yeah, yeah. Checkered part. Anyway, I ended up working in the <clears throat> tea industry for a, about sort of seven, seven years or so. Um, 
and that was that was one of the kind of defining moments for me because uh, I did very well in it, it was a, a tour operator and I was a good salesperson mm-hmm. um, and got promoted to manager right with absolutely no clue what it meant to be a manager yeah so of course I destroyed several relationships uh, and then spent years trying to put yeah. them back together this is the thing isn't it there's a lot of times that the skill set in one area is really high whether it's sales or engineering uh-huh. or in bartending even that and the challenge is that what makes a great skill set doesn't always make a great manager of yeah. that skill set uh, or teacher or trainer yeah. or anything yeah. like that uh-huh. right. so I flopped basically. clanged about a bit yeah, yeah and I really did clang about and I, I did I did an excellent job of um, doing badly at relationships as mm-hmm. a manager mm. and I, I knew it was going wrong and I didn't like it and you know how do, how do you know it's going wrong <laughs> well maybe people don't like you <laughs> <laughs> you get some feedback <laughs> I got some yeah N- not verbal you know but you know it was there yeah <laughs> um, and uh, I kind of I got interested in a couple of other things there's a, a few people in that in that company I got on really well with and one of them said to me you'd be a great counsellor which was really surprising oh, wow. to me considering how badly I'd done at managing people I mean holy Nora <laughs> where did that come from um, and I had been thinking I, w- I was thinking you know I need to retrain or do something or you know I need to get out of this and get into some kind of career so it was almost like the kind of ignition of growing up mm-hmm, a little bit mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I ended up um, thinking about this counselling thing for a while and I go and I spoke to a friend who's a doctor and he said oh Kitty don't do that it's just totally depressing why would you do that and I was like oh interesting take I hadn't really thought about the impact because right. it is hard it's yeah. hard work isn't yeah. it um, uh, so and then it's actually one of the one of the ski clients that had he was telling me he was a regular client he, he was telling me that he had uh trained as a coach and I was like well what's what's that and he at the time it was called life coaching okay life coaching um which is kind of not really how it's just it's just coaching now or yeah executive coaching if you want to be fancy about it yeah um and I got interested and we had, we had an interesting conversation and um he, uh, he I think he lived in he must have lived in Edinburgh he came and gave me a book uh which he'd read and he said this was the one that that fired him up for it. So I read it and I thought, oh, it's mm. really quite interesting. What was the book? Um, I think it was some slightly, uh, I don't know if I should call it cheesy, but looking back on it, I think it was quite cheesy. Feel the fear and do it anyway, something like that. I like it's that. Like coach okay. yourself sort of thing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> anyway, I started investigating coaching. I thought it was, it was still, f- I guess, fairly new in terms of a, a profession. Mm-hmm. And I had people that were kind of laughing at me a little bit you know I can sniggering I'm like he's going to do coaching <laughs> like, <it's, laughs> like it you know why would you do something why would you waste money on something like that um, but I did it and it was it, it changed me mm. which I think was the first most important thing yeah. about it right. is it changed me because I began to look at things very differently Right. and some of the skills that were in me that I'd never really used intentionally or used well began to sort of align a little bit yeah, and it felt like yeah. a good fit um, so it progressed from there I went on and did kind of workplace and business coaching and then I did 
um, an emotional intelligence accreditation, then I did solution focused coaching, then I mm. did you know ABs, and I ended up doing yeah. um, NLP and all that sort of you know the sort of it's like the track of coaches that do stuff like this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like now looking back, is that almost a standard? No, I mean, everyone, path everyone does lots of different things, yeah. you know. Um, but I loved I loved the candidness and the openness of a uh-huh. conversation where you went to depth and yeah. thought differently. Right. You really think differently. Um, and that's the whole purpose of facilitating a conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is you take them, someone to a different place of thinking. Right. And then you open up a new a new thing with them. Yeah. They're doing it. Yeah. You're just chucking questions. Graciously and prodding. Graciously prodding yeah. the provocative questions. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Laughing at them. Laughing with them. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, it just it captured me, I guess. Yeah. It captured me. Well, what, yeah, because I was thinking, what, what did it fire up in you when you were maybe in one of those first conversations that you realised the change is happening? Yeah. I think it was the first, because as, you know, as, as a part of training as a coach, you get coached continually. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was getting asked all these questions that were taking me to totally new places of thinking about myself. Yeah. And self-awareness that I had not had before. Mm-hmm. And I, I suppose if we look at self-awareness as a trigger for changing, yeah, yeah, it's it's only yeah. when I realise something that like, oh, oh, then <laughs> <laughs> you begin to uh, you can make changes off the back of that. And I think that's you know it's one of the things I always get asked now is like how do I make this person self-aware? I'm like oh. <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> Give them a mirror. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, uh, uh, yeah, it, so it changed me in that way. So I learned so much about myself in a very short space of time. Mm. I was able to look at my flaws, my influences, my values, my story, mm-hmm. um, and and collect all of that together and, and begin to understand what had shaped me and, and, and right. the choices I now had. Right. So this you know? that seems to be such a significant part of coaching is mm-hmm. offering more choice mm-hmm. to people certainly mm-hmm. through some of the things I've heard in NLP it's the part of the purpose of coaching is mm-hmm. can you offer someone more choice yeah and can you help them realize they have yeah. more choice and I think having the choice to change or do or be yeah something that you think actually fits more with what you're doing so right the scattergun whatever I did before that was really quite yeah it was quite life-changing anyway and Fast charged into that and got I worked for a coaching company for a short while, did freelance for a while and then got into consultancy, and then I kind of fell into L and D as part of that because um, there was a company looking for uh, an L and D partner to come and work with them who had a coaching kind of right yeah how how would you describe L and D learning or leadership and development yeah depends how pretentious you want to be. <laughs> um. Orga- it's an organisational department, if mm-hmm. you like. Quite often is it's hitched to HR. Yeah. And it's about training, developing and strategically growing people in the yes, business. Yes, yeah. As opposed to growing the business as the people. So the focus there is, um, there's, I guess you could break it into three different levels. Your individual contributors. Yes. Um, there's development that they can have. There's your management population which is the kind of getting stuff done mm-hmm. and working through people effectively. 
and then your leadership population, right. which is a, a more strategic, visionary end of yeah. things. And you, you can be all of those things. Okay. But sometimes your title says that you are one. <laughs> doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> that you are said thing. You show off as that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I work with a lot of VPs that I'm not sure... Uh, they have a clue what leadership is, but uh, they think they're amazing. So <laughs> how do I make that person self-aware? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so, so yeah, that, that's kind of that's kind of how it works. So, uh, the, what I went into was to develop the coaching piece yeah. within that predominantly, yeah. but also um, was asked to deliver a lot of the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Part of it. So. I would be doing also. I learned a massive amount. I just absorbed uh, like a sponge all of the stuff about yeah. leadership development, self awareness, tools, tricks, yeah. tips. Um, so what what kind of yeah what kind of stuff did you latch on to at, at that time that stays with you now? Who's your influences ooh. and? Do you know, you'd take me back to my auntie asking me what, who my favourite artist was. And I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> she would be horrified that I didn't have like someone who's an inspiration to me. I'd like, I just like art. Um, I don't know if there's a specific. I don't know if there's a specific leadership guru. Mm-hmm. I do like Brenny Brown stuff because yeah. I think that vulnerability in conversations, yeah, and that having the guts to say say things that need to be said in order for something to move forward or growth to happen or right. change to happen. Uh, I I do love that because it sits really the relationship is the big thing. Yeah. Um. So I think any anyone that's got this focus around relationships, mm-hmm. because relationships make business go around. Right. What makes the world go around, doesn't it? So. Yeah, and how how yeah how do you define or how do you describe relationship? What one of the things you said is the conversation is. The conversation is the relationship. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Sounds quite pretentious, know, doesn't it? It's I like it. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I feel like you know if this is something that ever gets released because you're the only audience at the moment. That's provocative. <laughs> I know it is. I can feel myself like flushing up. Like no, someone else will listen to this. Exactly. Guy. Exactly. Um, um, where was I? <laughs> Conversations. Conversation. The relationship. <laughs> the, um, yeah, relationships make the world go round, and I guess. Um, Every interaction you have, whether you choose or not, has some impact on how a relationship develops, grows, Mm. diminishes, disappears, Mm -hmm. evaporates, (laughs) or flourishes. To know every word you use, so the way you use your words, Mm -hmm. the way you show up uh, in yourself, um, your emotional intelligence in handling yourself around other people all of for everything yeah and um for life and business to be successful relationships are a big part of that mm-hmm. you know so um when i see business fail it's usually because relationships are fractured and right. things are going wrong right when bits of business fail it's because something's happened to disengage people from people yeah you know it's uh, and that's that's kind of a tragedy <laughs> of I guess what I'm in which is a massive money making industry yeah yeah <laughs> <So> yeah <laughs> that um, there's maybe that loss of sight that relationships are phenomenally important yeah. in productivity and performance and success yeah so because it seem should seem obvious in many ways like your your life works based on the relationships mm-hmm. that you're in and how they're 
cared for or, or lived out with family, with friends? Mm-hmm. And why should it be any different with organisational life and a vision? And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, how, how does that help you love difficult people then? Because that's another thing <laughs> that you're quite interested in. Um, well, having been a very difficult person, <laughs> let's, let's face facts, and I still can be from time to time. I've got my moments. Nobody is perfect. Um, but I think... Um, it's not that I have some affinity with them, <laughs> but nobody chooses to show up really uh-huh. like that. Right. So some people do. They're just nasty. They're right? not conscious they're, they're, and say, yeah. I'd but, love to show up yeah, as a difficult... But most people want to show up as their best selves. Somewhere in their hearts, yeah. they have their best selves. And, um, and with whatever challenges, whether it's self-awareness, whether it's something else, whether it's the environment they're in that doesn't fit with their values mm-hmm. or you know, whatever, mm-hmm. sometimes people show up and they would be perceived as difficult people yeah. just in the way that they show up. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, I've always had a bit of a thing for grumpy people. I quite like grumpy people. Aye, right. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Oh, there's something that tickles me <laughs> about a <laughs> really? grumpy person. What? What is that? That's brilliant. Well, I believe that under grumpy people, um, there is a softness mm-hmm. and there is a... A care that just does never get seen, but it's there, yeah. and and I always there's always something in me going, how do I break uh, through that? I'm yeah. really fascinated by it. Yeah, where I'm like going, you know, that person doesn't choose to show up to be grumpy to uh-huh. to make everyone miserable. That's not their intention. Yes, unless unless they are actually choosing. I don't think that people really want to choose that. Right. So I guess it's kind well, of how do we get into that? And I've always found a, a softness and humour, yeah, and a graciousness, right, cracks right. that. Yeah, gets through it. Yeah, it's true. You you definitely have an ability to bring a likeness where other people <laughs> might respond, and it you know occurs to them as they've had a, a really awkward moment or uh-huh. a, or just they're really offended by the conversation uh-huh. they just had, and then they'll be like, "Oh, but it was all right because Kitty was about," and <laughs> <laughs> suddenly we're all laughing. Um, and she just need to have a little bit of a giggle because it's, uh, it's sometimes it all gets a bit serious, right? What, what is it you think that then... Well, I think that we should just make laughter out of everything. There are some serious <laughs> yeah. things in life. <laughs> you can have a, a tough conversation with humour, hey? I think you can. Yeah. I think it's, it, it, it's much easier. And, yeah. and I think you, it's not about making fun of something. Mm-hmm. It is very much around um, bringing that... I, what I would call is grace. Someone, was, someone asked me um, hmm. a number of years ago, what are your three... If you were to choose three values, what are they? Mm. And um, <clears throat> I was quite challenged by that because I was like, oh, I've, never been, I've never been asked to do that before. Mm-hmm. That's a biggie. And this, it was, it was an HR director in my last organisation, and she'd come in and she'd asked, she'd tasked everyone with it, and I was quite taken with that because she shared hers and why they were important. Mm. And it was really, really interesting. And I, I thought about it for a few weeks, and then I went and told her. I said, "Here's what they are." I said, "I've worked it out," and it was grace, humour, and creativity. Mm. Brilliant. Which I think are three key elements in relationships. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. I think the creativity to be adaptable to whatever's happening and go, well, you know, if it's not working this way, maybe there's another way in. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a better way to do it. I think that's creativity. It's not It's not just art. Yeah. Uh, creativity comes in so many forms. The grace was something that I was given, I, I realised later on in life, was something I was very much given by my father's parishioners. Right. Because I was an awkward child. Okay. I wasn't self-aware. I didn't think. I didn't have very high emotional intelligence. Right. And they always treated me graciously. Wow. 
Um, How did that show up? Like, what moments do you mind from that? that... Do you know, um, it's probably my friend's father um, was always, you know, if you got wound up about something, you know, he would just kind of, real kind of stoic, farmer, Orcadian, quiet, understated, and he would just chuckle. Uh-huh. And then say, "Well, you know," uh, and and it would just it would just flatten out any. You know, it, it didn't dismiss it. It just yeah. said, "Yeah, but we can move on from that." Right. It was, it was a t- there was a togetherness about it. I don't know if that's the best way to describe it, but that would be that'd be one thing. So a lot of people that were around me, I felt showed me incredible grace mm. that I didn't realize I wasn't aware of until much later on in life. Yeah, and I was like, "Gosh, that was a massive." influence on my life yeah and I think I didn't necessarily deserve it and I think in another environment I wouldn't have got that um and I was very fortunate to be in an environment where I received that yes and and I kind of thought well that's something that I would want to honor Mm. in giving to others Mm. now I can I speak from the heart and that doesn't mean I'm perfect some days I come in I drop an F bomb <laughs> and I say, I cannot believe that person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the human in me, uh, it's not like I'm some godlike gracious person. Right. But grace was a big a big mm-hmm. part of it. And mm-hmm. and it, it's it's soaks up so many other things. There's kindness, there's patience, yeah. There is there I think there is a self awareness in grace. Mm-hmm. There is a, a love that isn't about gain or yeah. it's just about being with right. I just feel it as a very kind of smooth mm-hmm. um, yeah I, I think I can say like what I appreciate when you talk about those values is mm-hmm. they're not um, they're not virtues that put anyone up above mm-hmm. another in a, in a sense like to value grace means you value the whole of somebody mm-hmm. and humour is often the most like I, I think humour got you, me through childhood right right yeah like you use it in a way to um, go through certain things that are like humor can be dark mm-hmm. and redemptive when it is yeah. uh, really dark moments are uh-huh. just brought to light with humor. Yeah. Likewise, creativity, like the flexibility to yeah. handle whatever's in front, is is really cool. Yeah, you know, yeah, they aren't yeah. just values of like, hey, I value this, 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 yeah. and everyone needs to hit above that line to uh-huh. to make their life work. Uh-huh. It's all those things encompass yeah. um, the whole of a person. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, and they've stuck, they've stuck with me very much. Yeah. And humour, I think the biggest thing a person can learn is to laugh at themselves. Yeah. Because it kind of diminishes um, the feeling of failure. Yeah. It's just like, oh my goodness. Yeah, (laughs) Did you see that? (laughs) I did that. (laughs) Yeah. It's like if... uh, if you fall asleep on the bus and smack your head off something, <laughs> you've got to be the first one to laugh, to laugh yeah. and find oh, the other yeah, person who's me. laughing with you. Yeah. <laughs> and and humour is amazing for connecting people. Yeah. I think uh, if we feel we can share a laugh, it, it's a very deepening thing in terms mm. of a relationship. Yeah. Uh, if we can have a laugh about something. Right, so the, these aren't common like leadership values that are in... Uh, that are in the books or in the seminars right now. I don't know. No, um, not. <laughs> what is a leadership value? Eh? Right, well, right. We ask that, you know, I, I go into, we've got um, what we call a leadership lab. Mm-hmm. Um, and we bring people in and one of the first things that we get them to do is to talk about their story mm. and their values and their what's influenced them. 
uh, and what's that kind of map that has yeah. led them to how they show up now. And it is interesting because when you first address, you know, so what are your values as a leader? And we kind of help them. We give them some cards and they play with them. And, yeah. oh, I like this one. Oh, I like this one. Um, uh, and it's amazing the a lot of people um, I observe. I mean, lovely people. I love people watching. Mm. As I love facilitating courses because I just people watch all the time. It's great. <laughs> and, uh, and they choose words that they think will be perceived well. Mm. This is the right word to choose. So In- integrity. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, integrity. So that's a classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, every, so there's a lot of people that would choose that. And it is an absolute value. That's mm. great. Um, but you see some people, you know, choosing the, the choice ones that are kind of expected. Uh, and I always find myself, this little question pops up in my head, I'm going, what else is in there? Because mm. I think there's more to it than that. Um, I'm not sure that the real person has shown up at that yeah. point. Uh, and we take them to a, quite a deep level in order to get a bit more of that right. out of them early in the course. Okay. So that, that they, then they share more throughout yeah. the course. How do you do that? <laughs> we ask them some very big questions. Right. Like, what do you want to be known for? Hmm. Um, what's your reputation? Uh, when you leave, what words do you want people to use to describe you? Mm, mm-hmm. um, and I guess, I guess I always believe in asking um, questions that are not business-like. Yeah. Corporate language is a real... It's a real inhibitor of people being their real selves. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if, I, if I'm speaking to someone and I say, you know, so tell me about your um, objectives for this particular strategic direction. That's mm-hmm. a corporate thing to say. Yeah. Like really corporate. So if I if I give a corporate question, I can't corporate answer. Right, right. Oh, well, I think I'm supposed to say this here. So um, they'll come out with some... Highvoluting, yeah. fancy language, and right. Americans are very good at this. Okay, um, uh, I've noticed, <laughs> and I'll be like, "Oh, so impressive! Oh, so impressed!" <laughs> um, but if I was just to say, "What is it that you want at the end of this?" It's a, it's a, a totally different question. Um, Personalises it in a way that it should be for a leader. It's, yes. it's about a personal. It's not about a personal agenda, but it's about a personal a value or an aspiration. Uh, but also it just puts it into a kind of a neutral language where the question it, it shifts the the, res- the response yeah. from a corporate one. Oh, I've been asked something quite different there. Um, and it's, it's interesting even watching how people operate in business when you ask them a corporate question and you can, you mm. can play with it, mm-hmm. do you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes I want, I want people just to go... Oh, do you know I find this really hard, and I want to I want to do it differently. Yeah, I really care about this. You know, so what do they care about at work? Is you know what do you really care about in what you do? Mm. Those that's that's not something we always ask leaders. Right. We say what are your what are your values? Even what are your goals? can be a wee bit corporate. Right. Yeah, because the the movement of coaching or development, um, even sounds like you want to take it beyond the goal setting and goal achievement. <sighs> Um, I mean, all of that, again, is maybe where it started and formed and is still the idea yeah. of a coach is there, they help you define goals. and yeah. But there's just more. 
I guess I see a, a right. clear difference between a goal and an objective, like, but we tend to put them in the same bucket, don't we? Right. Um, there's different language attached to what someone wants and what they feel they should do. <laughs> and it's usually to do with want and should. Right. Do you know? So yeah. if someone's creating a goal for themselves and it says, well, I should do this and I've been meaning to do this and I ought to do this and, oh, I must do that. Mm. That doesn't speak to a desire. Right. And if there's no desire, there's no motivation. Right. It's probably something about fear or it's not necessarily helpful. Yes. If, if I can have someone talk about what they really want... Um, the motivation is is in there already. Yeah. That, and I think that's there's a lot in how you listen to the way someone expresses their goals. Mm-hmm. Is it real? Is it yeah. not? And, and I might chuck in something provocative or I might chuck in something. Yeah. <laughs> something that's just a deeper question or say, you know, I hear you say this, but I'm not feeling it. Uh-huh. The feedback thing. Kind of. Brilliant. Right. So I think that, that that's kind of quite important. Yeah. And w- when you're... Yeah, when you're seeing that in someone and you're you're noticing I'm in these conversations which have taken us beyond corporate goal or objectives and you're getting into this is what people want, you're noticing that there's more to this leadership and coaching game than than is generally an offer. Um what what do you see might be the future of this? this world of coaching or development because a new book released every day on the future of it aye aye I don't know is it is it anything different to the relationships working Mm -hmm. is it really anything different to that I don't know Um, it's a good question what is the future of it (laughs) 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 I don't know the answer trying to pull something out of the hat that's all about how I'm perceived as opposed to what's really there I don't know Right. And I think it's okay to not know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, in leadership, the kind of development coaching thing is about someone being successful in who they are and what they do, mm. I suppose. Um, from a learning and development perspective, I care about people learning about themselves mm-hmm. because it's a journey that makes a difference. And I felt that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm keen to share that. Yeah. Um, I don't think the future is anything wild and wonderful. Mm. I think it's about much better relationships, Mm -hmm. learning to love people where they are, learning to create success in business through a different channel. Yeah. You know, I've sometimes sort of referred to the organisation I work in and it is a a phenomenally sales-driven organisation. They're all about the money. I mean, big time. To the point that people... are unable to identify the values of the company because it just seems to be about making money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been, you know, I've been challenged because, you know, I work in this organisation that technically goes against some of my values. Right, so, okay. <laughs> we're all about money, win, 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 win. People don't matter, they're just a number sort of thing. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, I hear people joining very noble causes, uh, charities and things like that. And they go, well, I've joined this because, you know, these are my values sort of thing. And I'm mm. like, well, if my values are grace, humour and creativity, how can I build that into an yes. organisation and bring something different into an organisation that is so money-focused yeah. and, you know, uh, big business, let's buy everyone up and... You know, yeah. they're quite heavy going. <laughs> I, I kind of see a purpose as something slightly different is 
how can I bring some of these more human qualities mm-hmm. into an organization that doesn't actually look at them? Right. That's, that's a huge challenge. And I, I love that because yeah. I, I get that every day. Right. Where I have some sales VP saying, no, it's all about the number, the number, the number. And you're saying it's about relationship, relationship, relationship. relationship yeah. 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 So finding the ways to have those conversations of how are you helping that person succeed? Yeah. How, what, where are we taking them to? Right. Um, what does it feel like? Yeah, to be in there. <laughs> one of my, one of my, um, one of the, uh, they've got all these different titles, VP, GVP, EVP. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's like a VP crazy. Um, and the GVP is a general vice president, and he was speaking to us. One, one of the ones was speaking to me, <clears throat> and he says, "Oh, Kitty, I'm being micromanaged." <laughs> and I was like, "Wow!" I said, "Really?" I said, "What's that like?" He says, "I hate it. I hate it." Um, I said, "So now you know what your people feel like." It's <laughs> <laughs> like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> and I was like, "Well, <laughs> isn't that what they're telling you?" <laughs> Getting a little horrified, but at the same time, you know, do it with humor and love. Yeah, yeah, and that's that. That's love of that axe, isn't it? It's like the thing that he hates the most is the thing that he's doing. He's doing all the people, time, and yeah. he's seeing it in others and seeing it himself. Yeah, and the same one. He asked me recently. He says, "What what does it mean to be passive aggressive?" I said, "Well, he says, what what is it?" And I'm going right. Okay, well, let's look at passive aggressive examples of it. I didn't accept your meeting. I've just left you as tentative in my diary. Yeah. Passive aggressive, possibly. <laughs> um, you maybe didn't respond to a call as quickly as you should have. If someone's asked for something, you make them wait. Yeah. But you don't tell them that you're making them wait. You just make them wait to annoy them. <laughs> right. I said, those sort of things are passive aggressive. And he goes, hmm. I said, I said, uh, he said, my boss is telling me I'm being passive aggressive. And I said, and are you? And he said, well, the way you describe it, yeah. It's not going to have been passive-aggressive. I'm like, well, there you go. Why? Why is that happening? So, it's, you know, it's interesting. It's fun conversations. Yeah, yeah. So we can have fun with it. But there's a serious element to it because he's struggling. Mm-hmm. Do you know, he's in a bit of pain. Yeah. Um, he's being difficult. Right. <laughs> and you love difficult people. Love difficult people. With them, um, you're talking about emotional intelligence, oh, yeah. NLP, some of these areas. So I guess um, some of that's been around a little while now. Yeah. Does it have, um, what kind of future does it have, do you think? These ideas and conversations that are now becoming When's more the next popular. big thing coming in? Yeah, you know? right, right. <laughs> There's always something. Um I guess they're all doing similar things in different ways. Okay. There's different approaches to the, the same end of growth and mm-hmm. development and um, self-actualization, if you like. Right. <laughs> it kind of ends to that. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. There's always a new fad coming around or something that's more and more exciting. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, they are a lot of them are. It's fascinating. Even the neuroscience research it's continuing to grow. Emotional intelligence, what you know, we've although we've talked about it for, I think Darwin was probably the first person to right. to mention it, if you like. But um, it's maybe only been around in the kind of public circuit, if yeah. you like, for about fifty years, yeah. right? But we're still learning about it. You know, uh, that's changed over over time. Yeah. Um, multiple intelligences mm-hmm. used to just be intelligence, didn't it? But then then you've got all these yeah. other ones. And that's right. So, so that, that's saying that there's yeah. maybe eight or nine different yeah. intelligences uh-huh. where previously yeah. we might have said there's 
intellectual or yeah, yeah, <laughs> smart dumb. Um, so we're always learning more about ourselves, um, and with with any of these interventions, they're all really aimed at. I mean, every profile that you undertake, yeah, is aimed at making you more self aware. That's great. I could have all the self awareness in the world. What am I doing with it? Yeah. It's a much more interesting conversation. Where am I taking that? What What have I learned that I'm actually going to go? Well, I need to do something with that. Mm-hmm. Change it. Mm-hmm. Where's the the dynamic element to yeah. it? Because I think that's exciting. Right. So all of these tools are useful, and the next fad will be useful. Mm. And neuroscience is progressing and growing, and we're seeing all sorts of. You know, we now get brain-based coaching. Right. What's that? <laughs> Neuroscience of leadership. Do you know, yeah. neuro-leadership. Oh, wow. Do you know? <laughs> Whereas, you know, we're looking at different things to help us learn about ourselves. Yeah. And learn okay. about interactions and using that knowledge to further the conversations, if yeah. you like. And it, again, it's like it all just seems to come out in the conversations. So you can do all the models of personality. Yeah. You can do all of the understanding of your own history and the meaning you make your life and you can do all of the work around your intelligences and your passions your values all of it seems to take place then in Mm -hmm. conversation with other human beings conversation it's amazing do you know there there was a neuroscience i was a neuroscientist i was listening to um at a conference and he put all these big pictures of the brain up you know, mm-hmm. with flashy colours on them. And he's like, well, isn't it beautiful? See what we've learned about the brain. Mm. Different bits flash and light up with different stimuli. <sighs> and he says, you know, I could know everything about neuroscience, psychology, mm-hmm. you name it. I could know everything. What does it really tell me about the person sitting in front of me? And I was blown away. Wow. I was like going, well... That is something I'm enjoying hearing. Mm-hmm. What does it really tell me about the person sitting in front of me? They're tools. They're useful. Yes. But at the end of the day, if I'm in a conversation, <laughs> I'm not going to drive you down an NLP route necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. It depends who you are yeah. and how you show up. Yeah. And that, that adaptability in the moment is about being present and listening yeah. and having the grace to welcome someone as they are and yeah. then help them work out where it is they need to go. Mm. I don't need to impart knowledge on anyone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's I loved, um, was a chat, maybe it was Michael Carroll, and he said coaching just has two things in it. Uh-huh. One is show up, uh-huh. and the second is respond to what shows up. Yeah. Yeah. Said, That's it. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. It's lovely. You know, That's it. And you're looking for all the hacks and the models and the maps and yeah. things, but there is something uh, pretty powerful about uh-huh. Uh, having all that, yeah, yeah. but keeping it to responding to what you're saying. It's funny, I, I, when I go home, it's, um, the my friend's parents, I try and go up and see them. And every time I go in, Margaret says to me, So tell me again, what is it that you do? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, I have this horrible moment of guilt where I'm like, oh, Well, I have conversations with people. She's <laughs> like, That's a career. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, a pretty good one. Because <laughs> it's funny, because it's almost in the absence of community and family and uh-huh. our, our horrible independence these days right. that we are we find ourselves looking for coaches mm. or counsellors because mm. you know, we don't mm-hmm. have the same community. Um, so to someone from a, a, a fabulous community that had all of that stuff in it, yeah, um, it's weird to see a career 
evolve out of something that comes quite naturally yeah. in yeah. certain communities. Do you know that that's mm. quite fascinating? And, and mm. I'm going, that's why she doesn't really understand it. I mean, I can explain it and I can use all the fancy words and things, but she'll just look at me and like go... Isn't that... Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that keeps me quite, you know, that's that's a little provocative coaching for me when I'm like going, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. for me. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think there's something that's been lost in the individualisation? Yeah, yeah. That... I sometimes speculate a bit ah. of that. Do you know, people live on their own. They isolate themselves. They don't like to be vulnerable around other people. They don't want to show their weakness. They fear failure. Society expects things of them. Social media expects mm, things of mm-hmm. them. It's quite hard to say, do you know, I'm not sure what I'm doing here. That's that's quite a difficult thing to say. Yeah. But actually learning to say it is, is both courageous and courage and vulnerability living in the same place. Yeah, isn't it? You yeah. Know? And it's, I think it's fun because um, when when you describe when you describe what you do, just having conversations, but you describe the values that you have. It's quite cool because I guess I've maybe known you like five, six years, and you can see it seems so normal for you to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, Kitty Gordon is doing this mm-hmm. and values these things because that's mm-hmm. what shows up whenever you hang out, whenever you mm-hmm. chat. Um, but what would you say for folks who? feel like incongruent with what they do or where their life is with where they'd like to be um because not not that you've nailed it but you're you're closer to it than <laughs> a lot of people probably they maybe they go and speak to their auntie Betty. <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i think um i did a, i did a lot of uh I, I suppose we could call it the more unhealthy rumination Mm. on the things that I did wrong it was you know there's a, a piece of it that was created anxiety in me I was like why am I so crap right. <laughs> but um I think I think it's worth searching out what you do really care about what's at your core and it doesn't have to be something fancy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it has to be something that means something to you that you really care about and I think if you can lock onto that and you can work out who you are within that then you start to piece together why the various influences and the things mm. that have happened in your story have uh, have shaped the way you've behaved yeah. or caused you to show up in a, in a certain way. But then you have the choice. We talk back to choice. Right. I, I, I then make a choose. I can choose how to be. Yeah. So I choose uh, my upbringing. Um, it's interesting. It's sort of come to light a little bit more recently with mm. some conversations I've had. Was I was brought up in. I guess a family that was, you know, there was a lot of humour in it, but it was a bit more barbed. It, it was a bit targeted mm. at. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot of judgment. There was a lot of humour. We weren't really brought up in an environment where we were taught how to care for each other as mm-hmm. a family. Mm-hmm. Do you know? And, and that I, I feel that yeah. sometimes. So I'm like going, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I don't know where I'm going with that. But it, it's, it, there's, the interesting thing about it is that I don't have to be that. That's right. where I'm going with it. I don't have right. to be that. Um, just because I was brought up in that environment. Yeah. There was a whole other side to my life where I was shown great grace and care. Mm-hmm. I can choose that. Yeah. Uh, and say, that's not me. Right. Uh, and then make my path from that. Because yeah. there was always something clunky and uncomfortable about that. Right. right. And, you know, sometimes it, sometimes I, you know, it's my family, you know, it rises up now and again, especially when I'm faced with a particularly awkward leader at work. Right. Where I'm like going, oh, 
Here we go again. It's just a nightmare, creating chaos everywhere they go. Um, <laughs> where my my judgmental lack of caring person, yeah. you know, <laughs> gets a little airing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I go, and, and then I do. I, I will actually self talk. I'll be like, "Okay, come on." Uh-huh. We have to give them some space. Right, but that's it's the self talk, isn't it? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that judgmental, sharp barbed uh-huh. piece. If that doesn't get to air, like you say. Well, where else is it going to come out? But actually, if there's... Knowing it, seeing I, it. Uh-huh. If you can have a conversation uh-huh. in yourself of those yeah. parts, yeah. Y- you uh-huh. get such a great opportunity, yeah. probably to make that intervention for that leader, which they've, which they've been yeah. waiting yeah. for and waiting for someone mm-hmm. to bring them a wee bit of yeah. Orcadian spike <laughs> <laughs> with, with the grace right. and the humour. So I'm going to use the humour, but I'm going to use the grace with it. Yes. And I think those two things. But then that, that's the that's the, you know... You know, as a coach, I'm not supposed to give advice, you know. Right. But if I was to yeah. make uh, something that's, if I were to say something, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> without using the word advice, I would say, you know, it's, it is, um, listen to what you really care about mm-hmm. uh, and and path it back yeah. to that. Which doesn't sound to me like coaching advice, That you know, it just sounds just like a good question, a good mm-hmm. statement. Who are you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my oh. goodness. That's such a deep question. Who am I? Mark, who am I? I don't know. <laughs> and that, and there, I mean, there's the there's the bit everyone's running around figuring out. But again, if um, the conversation is is in relationship, is a lot of who we are gets found out in our relationships. Yeah. And a lot of who we are gets discovered in conversation. Yeah, all the good and bad comes out in the relationships. Uh, yeah, we don't take too long trying to define who we are uh-huh. in our heads and in our own yeah. meaning but maybe we just let who we are come out through uh-huh. our conversation through a relationship yeah I think one of the things I quite like about um, relationships at work is people are thrown together in an organisation yeah 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 they didn't necessarily choose to sit next to each other mm-hmm. navigating those relationships it's a little trickier than just being hanging around with a bunch of friends yeah uh, and in family you can behave badly and they'll probably forgive you yeah because they're like oh well you know or or they'll judge you. I don't know. <laughs> In my family, maybe I just get judged. <laughs> but there's that. There are different categories, if you like, of relationships. And I think the ones that work are, you know, it's like, oof, you know, being gracious in a place where you didn't choose necessarily to be with the people that you're working with, mm. and finding a way to creatively work with them and build positive relationships. Right. It's a huge challenge. Mm-hmm. It's great. So much fun. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, where can people connect with you and some of the ideas you like? Well, it's probably better if they don't, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> How can people best avoid you? <laughs> can they best avoid me? I'm on Facebook. Yeah. Um, I don't mind getting um, IM'd. Cool. I don't really... Uh, to be honest, when I, what, on Facebook, I don't use the um, my posts to declare leadership or anything like that. It's yeah. not really my bag. Yeah. Um, I usually use them for completely ridiculous things, <laughs> like some dog tripping over a pavement. That sort, of, you know, it's that sort of thing. But um, but the the messaging thing, yes, that's that's absolutely cool. fine. Great. I'm on LinkedIn as well. Yeah. You might see more of my uh, leadership uh, prowess. Yes. <laughs> your my coaching prowess yeah. on, on LinkedIn. People might agree. People might disagree. But yeah, your so un- on that unhelp too. guru. Yeah. My unhelp guru. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So who's listening to this? Yeah. I am. <laughs> and we'll see who else. We'll see. That'd be good. Yeah.
That's great. Well, uh, yeah, it's so good. I think what's really great is, um, I yeah, I love when people are doing the thing that they're clearly enjoying and having fun with it and they're not taking it too seriously. Mm-hmm. Especially this whole thing of leadership and development can be taken very, very seriously or <sighs> over-dramatised. So, so it's great when there's humour at the heart mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Um, so I really appreciate that and looking forward to uh, hearing more and <laughs> see what you do. <laughs> Okay, Gordon. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Episode four. Thank you so much for experiencing that with us this week. It'd mean loads to me if you'd be up for leaving us a review, subscribing on your podcast app and sharing this show. We're going to be recording some more episodes really soon and I'm looking forward to sharing those. The intro music for this podcast was crafted by Sam Gallagher. The imagery is from Melody Joy Cole. We recorded this in Edinburgh, Scotland. Thanks, everyone.